Hello, welcome back. Nothing but airtime. We were off last week, back this week on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Of course, I'm your host, Cole Rains. Got a lot to catch up on. NBA playoffs, Kevin Durant's very alive on Twitter. And while we're speaking about Twitter, Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. Folks, that's billion with a B. Put the picky finger on the bottom lip. $44 billion, Dr. Evil Elon Musk doing his thing. So we'll get into that as well. We make the case, cold case files for teams winning the NBA playoffs today. Big show here on Dash Radio. Let's get right into it. Letting it play this week. Letting it play. It is Tuesday real late. We just watched the Suns go up 3-2 to two against the Pels. And for a moment there, it was real interesting. You know, uh, game four had happened. Chris Paul had four points, and the jokes were being made. Suns and four guy was now Chris Paul had four guy. Brandon Ingram showed that he does have this mentality that I'm better than you, and I'm going to show it. And I love seeing that. As somebody who was an Ingram guy out of college, I thought the body type was going to play. No, I thought the KD comps were a little lofty. But here we are. Here we are. Ingram, 30 points on 51.2% shooting from the field. Now they, they lost tonight. He only had 22 that being said, I'm still impressed with what I've seen out of the Pelicans. Jose Alvarado has been a lot of fun. Grand Theft Alvarado. Herb Jones, he's, he's saying, hey, Zion, you know all those highlight reel blocks that you do? I can do them better. And then you got C.J. McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, two proven veterans that have been there. Larry Nance Jr. has found a home. It's a lot of fun for him to watch. And I like Trey Murphy. And I like Jackson Hayes. There's a lot of pieces I like on this Pelicans team. And they're all around the big hole in the center. That's right, Zion Williamson. What are we going to do with Zion Williamson? Bill Simmons, the man that is full of BS. I mean, it's literally the name of his show, The BS Report. He wants to trade trade Zion Williamson to the Pistons for Sadiq Bey, Killian Hayes, and a pick. I'm not mad at that. I'm really not mad at that. You know, you look at a, a court, you get Killian Hayes in the door, you get Sadiq Bay. you can run out the lineup of CJ, Herb, Sadiq Bay, Ingram, and Valanchunas. Killian Hayes, Jackson Hayes off the bench, Larry Nance Jr. off the bench, Jose Alvarado off the bench. Could be worse things in the league. That's probably a six or seven seed out west. You know, the Western Conference is really good. Maybe not next year. You know, you look at the Jazz probably taking a downfall, which we'll get into. But, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the Pelicans. I think the series is probably over 3-2 heading back to NOLA. If NOLA can take it, it gets interesting. But I don't think they will. Chris Paul showed that, hey, I'm the guy tonight. I'm going to put us on our shoulders with no Devin Booker, with the torn hammy. 22 and 11, folks. That is 33 points and assists. Count them. Gave the pick to our good friends over at Comp Hedge Sports Pod, Kenneth Cotterill. I gave that pick, locked it in, and, and glad that hit because that's much better than the Nets minus one pick I gave the night prior. Michael Bridges had 31, 8 and 19 and 9. And with the Suns, they have so many different ways they can beat you. But with no Devin Booker, you don't have the S-plus way. And when I say S-plus, Tuesday tiers speaking, I did the Tuesday tiers of Young Guns today. Go check that out on our Twitter at nothing but airtime. But S-plus is the elite way to beat you. If the Mavs are down four with a minute and a half to go, the Mavericks will give the ball to Luka Doncic. That's the elite way to beat you. 
The Suns don't have that with Booker. They have Chris Paul looking to distribute, find the best shot, which is a B-plus way to beat you in my eyes, give or take. So when you look at a, a potential series with the Mavericks in the second round and you're down Devin Booker, I think we're staring in the face of a Mavericks upset. I think we're looking at the Mavericks coming into their own. I think you've seen Jalen Brunson take the next step. I think you've seen Luka Doncic be the superstar you need. I mean, they have just absolutely worked the Jazz over since Luka has been back. Last night, beat him by 25. I mean, Luka had 33 and 13. Brunson, 24, 5, and 4 exactly what you're looking for in a superstar pairing of guards. Dorian Finney-Smith, good defender. Reggie Bullock, 3 and D guy. Powell can run the floor. Spencer Dinwiddie, a wild card off the bench. Maxi Kleber can hit some threes as well. So when you're talking about a series, you'll have the game where Reggie Bullock has four or five threes. You'll have the 40-point double-double for Luka Doncic. You'll have the 30-point outburst from Jalen Brunson. I don't know if the Suns can keep up with that with no Devin Booker. I don't know if the Suns can keep up with that with Devin Booker, especially coming off a hamstring injury, which will probably slow him down. Dorian Finney-Smith, damn good defender. Reggie Bullock, pretty good defender. Those guys can help off and double give Devin Booker trouble. And when you're looking at that for the Mavericks, I think that is a recipe for success in the second round. The Mavericks and the Suns is just the scratching of the surface of what should be a phenomenal second round of the playoffs. You're looking at potential Mavericks, Suns, you're looking at potential of Bucks, Celtics, the potential of Heat and the Sixers, potential of Heat and the Raptors, Kyle Lowry back in Toronto in the playoffs. Potential of Timberwolves, Warriors, D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade, revitalized. Warriors, Grizzlies, Steph Curry, John Morant, let's go. You know, there's a lot of different potential for the second round of the playoffs. Now, when you're looking, title of the show today is the cold case files. We're looking at the case file for the Phoenix Suns. How are they going to win the NBA Finals? Well, you need a healthy Devin Booker first because I don't think Chris Paul can do it by himself. We've seen that before. We've seen that movie before. And every time, it is a tearjerker for the old man who gets shot in the head like old Yeller. Little dark, but we'll leave it at that. How do the Mavericks win? The Mavericks are showing you how they can win the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah, we're going to play D and hold the Jazz to 77 points. Luka Doncic is going to give us 30. Jalen Brunson has to take the next step, and he will take the next step. I think there's a, there's a lot there with this Mavs team. Powell's a good big man that can rim run. And if you want to go small, okay, we'll put Finney Smith at the five, and we'll put Luka at this hybrid four and go Brunson, Dinwiddie, and Bullock. Maxi Kleber can play the stretch five. You know, you have many different ways. You have the versatility of the lineups to match up with anybody in the West. This could be Dallas's year. Now to Utah. Everybody take a deep breath. Donovan Mitchell is just terribly overrated. Terribly overrated. And he's not going to play in game six. We're recording this late Tuesday, so we'll see how this goes Wednesday. Donovan Mitchell's terribly overrated. 26 points on 23 shots and 38% shooting. And oh yeah, how about 19.5% from three? And he's the go-to guy. Rudy Gobert had 17 points on 6-7 shooting in game six. Game five, excuse me. They don't even look for Gobert. He comes off a screen. He'll seal a Spencer Dinwiddie. He'll seal a Josh Green. And nobody looks at him. We miss him down low. Conley will miss him down low. I think Rudy Gobert could be a 20 and 10 player. And I, 
I keep saying this, but it just gets worse and worse every time I watch the Jazz. And it hurts more and more of my feelings every time I watch the Jazz. Because it was always, oh my goodness, Rudy Gobert is getting played off the floor. Rudy Gobert is getting dunked on by Terrence Mann. And don't get me wrong, that happens and that slander is funny every time it happens. But what's not funny is that Rudy Gobert, the offensive output should be more. We miss him on lobs, we miss him on seals, we miss him down low and mismatches. I think Trey Young can make him a 20 and 10 guy. I think LaMelo Ball could make him a 20 and 10 guy. I think Lonzo Ball could make Rudy Gobert a 20 and 10 guy. And the beauty about Rudy Gobert is, the beauty about Scoobert Goobert is, is that Goobert don't need to have the ball in his hands to take 25 shots a game. So when the Jazz inevitably implode, which they will, Quinn Snyder will be gone. And you're looking at potentially trading for one of Gobert or Donovan Mitchell? Put me in the COVID spreaders camp. I don't care. He's easier to put on a team and build around with. Because Mitchell, you're carving out 20 shots a game. And you don't know if he's going to go 14 for 20 or 3 for 20. But you're just going to have to live with it on a night-to-night basis. Give me consistency. Give me the defensive output. I can live with him getting played off the floor. I'll have a small ball five. There are so many of those out now. Give me Gobert when this inevitably implodes. Going to the bottom half, the uh, the the two three and the and the three six match or the two five and the three six match or two seven and the three six matchups. Wow, stumbling through that. We'll start with the, the, the Warriors. Jordan Poole is a really good basketball player. The Warriors probably should have swept the Denver Nuggets. We'll get back to the Jordan Poole comment. I just needed to get that off my chest as a Michigan fan. Golden State probably should have won game four. But I'll tell you one thing we won't do on this program and we'll never do on this program is question an NBA head coach. Steph Curry hits a step back three to tie. We called a lob for Andrew Wiggins. There's a reason Steve Curry is getting paid on the big bucks on the sidelines. And I'm eating a bag of popcorn in my room watching them. That's all I'll say on that. Good to see Klay Thompson have a big game in game four. 32, 31 minutes. Steph had 33. Poole starting to slow down a little bit. Only 11 points there, nine assists. But I'll tell you what, Jordan Poole showed me something in the first three games, especially in game three. He was not afraid of the big moment. You got Steph Curry on the team. You got Draymond Green on the team. You got Klay Thompson on the team. I mean, these guys are proven champions. They've been there. They've done it. And Jordan Poole said, you know what? Let me have the freaking onions to take it to the rack and hit a reverse layup with minutes to go in the game to put us up two possessions. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, and, and you got Draymond saying that he's the prime option on offense. Steph Curry is coming off the bench. Now, granted, he's coming off an injury, and we'll see what this lineup looks like when they start. I think it depends on who they play and the next round, what the starting lineup will look like. But as a Michigan guy, as somebody that can see a guy getting hot and getting more confident as the playoffs come along, I threw two bucks on Jordan Poole to win the finals MVP. 300 to one odds. 30 to one odds. I, I you gotta double check me on that, but it was a it was a pretty sizable odds. And now granted, if the Warriors win, it'll absolutely be the Stephen Curry narrative. Oh my gosh, he came back from injuries, never had a finals MVP. But if Jordan Poole just continues to have these outbursts and hit big shots down the stretch and get the support of his teammates and get the support of Steve Kerr, there's a narrative there too. So if you too want to follow that narrative, go to betus.com.pa, enter 
my promo code airtime that's a-i-r-t-i-m-e you too can have fun putting a wager down on maize and blue tried and true thing with the warriors their key is is going to be matchups looking at their case file the winner of the grizzlies in the timberwolves series i think if i was the warriors i'd rather play the grizzlies i really would because we've seen Steven Adams be a non-factor this series. And if you look at how the Warriors play, Kevin Looney only had 12 minutes in game, in game four. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Wiggins, those five all had over 30 minutes. That's your, that's your death lineup. That's your closing lineup. That's what it's going to be most of the game for the Warriors. Steven Adams won't be able to play again. Who knows if Brandon Clark's going to be able to go out there. You're probably looking at some sort of variation of John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton with Jaron Jackson or Brandon Clark at the center position. And even then, the Warriors are going to guard you to death. Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Klay Thompson, the new run DMC, I guess you could call it. People call him PTSD. I really like that. Poole, Thompson, Steph, Draymond. That's pretty good. There's a lot going on with that team. And if Draymond is just back, he's been playing really well. If Kaminga can show something, you have the wild card off the bench with Gary Payton Jr. Wiggins plays D. Otto Porter Jr.'s been there. Andre Iguodala's been there. Watch out. I think the Warriors and the Mavericks are probably my matchup for the Western Conference Finals as we currently sit. Just because of matchup, which is absolutely a case and goes into the case. And when you're talking about matchup, I think the Warriors can do the same with Minnesota. I think think the Warriors have the defense to match up with the wings of Russell and Anthony Edwards, uh, and you could throw Draymond on Cat. You could throw Looney on Cat, frustrate him. We've seen Cat be frustrated quite a bit in this first-round series against Memphis, which has been an absolute stellar of a first-round series. You know, I mean, you look at tonight's game, Tuesday night's game. Anthony Edwards hits a big three, ten seconds to go. John Morant, onions, onions, put him to bed. Go up 3-2. Now, I think this series is on a crash course for seven. I mean, you look how it breaks out. Minnesota takes game one. Grizzlies take game two. Memphis gets a lead 2-1. Timberwolves take 2-2. Memphis takes a lead 3-2 in game five. So are we going to see Minnesota bounce back in game six? Sure feels that way. It is in Minnesota. Anthony Edwards is just a star on the rise right now. He's a freaking phoenix rising from the ashes. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Minnesota. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of the Grizzlies. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of this young series. And, and our, our friend on Twitter, Dragonfly Jones, he said it best. You know, these are two really, really young teams that are going to be in the playoffs for a very long time. But you have to take your playoff lumps. And both of these teams taking those playoff lumps. Game one, Grizzlies lose game one at home. You know what they do? Game two, they beat the doors off the Timberwolves. Beat them by 30. 28 to be exact. Game three. Timberwolves blow a big lead. Game four, Timberwolves win a close one. Game five, buzzer beater. That's what young competitive teams do. They're going to have big blown leads. They're going to have dumb turnovers. They're going to foul a lot. And granted, the officiating in that series has been putrid. I mean putrid. But that's what a young series looks like. That's what a series between two young competitive teams on the rise is going to look like. And I think we absolutely get seven just because of how, what we've seen from this playoffs, what we've seen from game to game, the adjustments, both coaches have been great. It's just a matter of which cat are we going to get? I think the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves are lunch meat to the Warriors. I hate saying it, but I really feel that way. I like John Moran. I like Desmond Bain. I like Jaron Jackson Jr. a lot. 
the Warriors feel different this year. They just do. Looking at Western Conference Finals before we move out east, the case for the Grizzlies is just jaw. I don't know a better way to put it. You got to jaw the Warriors to death. Because Wiggins will be on jaw. Clay will be on jaw. Gary Payton Jr. will be on jaw. Draymond will probably get some licks. He has to be the best or second best player in the series for me to be convinced. Because when you look at the Grizzlies and the Warriors play, and that is your series, and if I think that's the way we're leaning right now, the top five players in those series, you can make the argument that four of them are on Golden State. Definitely three. Bain is probably five or six with Clay, but I'd have Steph Poole. I'd, ha- I'd probably have Steph Morant, Poole, and Draymond exchangeable at that three and four. Bain Thompson exchangeable at five and six. Jaron Jackson Jr. probably could have a name tossed in there too, but. Ja has to be the best player in the series or damn close. Desmond Bain has to be the third or fourth best player in the series or damn close. Jaron Jackson Jr. can't be getting into foul trouble, but you know how that Warriors offense plays, it's a tough matchup. It's a really tough matchup. Ja has to be the best player in every series for the Grizzlies to take the next step. That's their case. Looking at the Western Conference Finals, I'm still going Warriors-Mavericks. Give me Steph first, Luka. I wouldn't hate a Suns-Warriors matchup because the, the, the coaching chess that would be played, you're probably getting a lot of Gary Payton Jr. to throw on Booker, to throw on CP. Mike Cal Bridges plays great D on Steph Curry. There are great numbers to point out that Steph just hates playing that guy, and Bridges is locked down. I don't know. It's an interesting series. I don't know who wins that series, especially with if a healthy Booker is back. Can the Warriors go guard to death with Aiton at the five? I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't think the Grizzlies make it. I think we're looking at either Warriors Suns or Warriors Mavericks. Out east, the Nets got swept. <laughs> and Kendrick Perkins had this to say about Ben Simmons, which Ben Simmons, there's a lot of things being said about Ben Simmons right now. Let's just put that in the stratosphere. But Kendrick Perkins had the quote about Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is that pretty girl that is single and everyone is wondering why she's single. It's because she smokes cigarettes. He said this on live television. He said this on first take. If you watch the segment, Molly, the girl that works with Stephen A, lost it halfway through. I don't know if I would be able to contain myself halfway through that statement. I mean, he's comparing Ben Simmons to freaking Sandy from Greece. And if we're going to continue with this analogy, the Nets kind of are the weird pretty girl clique. (laughs) If you want my honest opinion. Kevin Durant runs the show she's the shy pretty one but no one knows or everyone knows not to mess with her because if you come at her she gonna let you know she only messes with the girl that smokes cigarettes she only messes with the super super attractive girl some days and other days she comes in and you don't want nothing to do with her but she'll tell you either one of those days she'll tell you that the meat you're eating is from a robot cow that's Kyrie Irving. And then, of course, you got the girl that thinks she runs the show, but does not say anything and lets Kevin Durant run the show. That's Stevie, that's Stevie Nash. I don't know what Stevie Nash was doing coaching. Camp Thomas didn't get a minute. LaMarcus Aldridge, nothing. Blake Griffin came out for some reason after not playing for a month. And he's no knees Denise out there, so Jalen Brown absolutely cooked him to death. I don't know what's going on. This is what Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant wanted. You made your bed. Lie in it. 
Lying. Jason Tatum, however, you know, we don't have to do slander hour on the Nets because what the Celtics are doing, the case for the Celtics is, is falling into place like the Milwaukee Bucks last year. If you want my honest opinion, you have the best defense. You have your young superstar taking the next step, winning games on both sides of the ball. Jason Tatum was locking up Kevin Durant down the stretch and hitting big shots down the stretch. Your secondary player, Jalen Brown, yeah, he was hitting big shots too. And oh yeah, how about that point guard that's going to lock up anybody you want? Oh, he's starting to get hot. Let's throw smart on him. Robert Williams, Al Horford are there. Your bench guys and Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard have been good. The Celtics are going to be a problem. The Celtics are going to be a problem. And, and I'll ask you this. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo is number one for two-way players in the NBA currently. How far down is Jason Tatum at number two? Is it a rung? Is it two rungs? Is it close at the top? Because I think I'm ready to have that conversation. I really think I'm ready to have that conversation. Jason Tatum has been... Pretty damn good. And when you're looking at a second round series of Bucks Celtics, because that's what we're going to get, <laughs> the 2004-2005 Pacers Pistons series, those, those 79-74 barn burners, that's what we're going to be looking at in modern day. Because obviously it's not going to be 79-74, but it be close. When you look at both teams, they don't really have a weakness on either side of the... Uh, they don't have like a, a scab you could pick at on the defensive side of the ball. Excuse me. For the for years, Boston had Gordon Hayward. They had Kyrie Irving. They had Kemba Walker. Uh, you could put them in pick and rolls. You could attack them defensively. Now you got to contend with Marcus Smart and, and Jalen Brown and Tatum and Horford and Robert Williams and Grant Williams and Derek White and... It's just a lot of defense and length being thrown at you. And for the Bucs, same thing can be said. Drew, Wes Matthews, who, I don't know, maybe. Grayson Allen's scrappy. Chris Middleton, if he comes back. Giannis, Brooke Lopez. Those guys all play D. It's going to be a low, low scoring affair for this series. And I think Giannis has a little bit better of a series than Durant, but I, I think you're going to have to look at other players outside of Giannis and Tatum because I think what Giannis and Tatum will do will probably cancel each other out. It'll be pretty similar. So what is a guy like Bobby Portis going to do for the Bucks? What is a guy like Grayson Allen going to do for the Bucks? Grayson Allen was great, has been great in this bowl series. Can he continue that hot stretch? Is Marcus Smart going to be continuing to take big shots down the stretch, playing smart basketball down the stretch? Can Derek White figure it out? Can he hit a couple threes? Can Peyton Pritchard hit a couple threes? Is Grant Williams going to hit threes like he was in that Nets series? You know, there's so much role player mojo that needs to be created in this series. And when you look at this series, it parallels to me like a Bucks Nets last year, where the Bucks played the better defense, but the Nets had the best player. I think Giannis is the best player on the Buck on the series, but I think Boston plays the best defense in the league. I think whoever wins this series wins it all. And I'm very comfortable saying that. The Heat don't scare me. The Sixers don't scare me. And we'll get to the Sixers. I'm ready to light that pack up. Okay. But I am excited for the good basketball between Boston and Milwaukee to be played. I think this will probably be a six or seven game series and and the Boston Celtics are absolutely rolling but we're running into the freight train that is the Greek freak. So I've got all seven of those games carved out in the schedule and excited to watch. Going to the Sixers. Are we going to do this? I'm recording this late Tuesday. You guys will be watching it Wednesday night. Are the Sixers going to blow this? Do you have all the pieces of the puzzle to blow it? 
You got Doc Rivers, you got James Harden, and you got an injury to your best player. Doc Rivers known for blowing series. When James Harden has injuries with his best player, they blow series. Since Joel Embiid has that finger injury in game five, game four, excuse me, game four and game five have been putrid. He was around 30, 15 in game two and three. Obviously, game one was the maxi game. He still had a decent game. Didn't play much as it was kind of a blowout, but, I mean, we're old, we're we're a, a, a missed step back from Joel in game three from the Raptors being up 3-2. It's that close, folks. I, I think this is going to go seven. And if it goes seven, it absolutely favors the Raptors because I don't think after you lose three games in a row, you can turn that back around, especially when you look at how sluggish James Harden looks and the injury for Joel Embiid and how short the bench is. For Philly. And don't get me wrong, Toronto has a short bench too, but I think if you get to game seven, you get Fred Van Vliet back, and he's taking some games off, but he'll come back with some fresher legs. It's interesting. It's really interesting to watch. And you look at a second-round matchup with the Heat, who just beat the Hawks. We'll get to the Hawks here shortly. The Heat's case to win the finals is that they're just deeper than everybody. And they play D. That's what they do. You're looking at two teams that are short in depth with Toronto and Philly. And we're looking at potentially a seven-game series. The Heat just beat the Hawks without Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry in game five to just complement their depth. Max Struess had 15. Victor Oladipo had 23. Bam Adebayo had 20. Gabe Vincent, 9-4-4. Four, four. I mean, you're just looking at guys that... Tyler Hero's there, too. Like, they're deep. They dealt with injury this year. They know how to win games when their guys aren't there. Philly don't have that luxury of getting nine guys deep and conserving Embiid for a game six or a game seven. Toronto doesn't have that luxury either. Now, I think Toronto's a little better conditioned because they don't have their guards going to clubs every night, but... In a longer series, I'm going to take the team that's deeper, the team that has more playoff experience. And I think you're probably looking at a Miami-Boston Eastern Conference Finals, a Miami-Bucks Eastern Conference Finals. They both those have history. They have a narrative, which is awesome. The playoffs have been awesome for the league. And if we can get a, 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 a Miami-Boston, a bubble rematch, a LeBron-KG rematch, if we get a Miami-Bucks bubble rematch, uh, the sweep last year plays into it. You're looking at narrative on top of narrative. Carving it out like a movie, either way. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Sixers just win outright, game six. And they take that momentum and they have all the star power and beat up on the heat and, and that's their case. You know, They have Joel Embiid, they have James Harden, they figure it out and Harden starts playing like his old self again, and Maxie is just a lightning rod, and Embiid's injury does not matter that much because Harden and Maxie are that good. Tobias Harris has also been pretty good. Maybe their stars just play. That's their case. But it doesn't feel that way. It really, really doesn't feel that way that, 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 that star power matters. I mean, look at the Nets. Star power doesn't matter. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are two of the biggest stars in the NBA today. Kevin Durant, there was a point in time where if you talk to a man on the street that was just a commoner, he would argue that Kevin Durant is one of the best offensive players of all time. He was 6'9", he was 6'10", he had the wingspan, he could shoot. I just named seven guys that are 6'9", 6'10", that could shoot and play D. Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's not, he can't shoot, but he's 6'9", 6'10", he plays D. How about Bam Adebayo? Evan Mobley's up there. Chet Holmgren, seven foot. The league is changing. How, and this is a little bit of a different rant, but we'll go on it. Why not? Kevin Durant changed how scouting was done. Giannis Antetokounmpo changed how scouting was done. I mean, we're getting an NFL draft, but let's talk a little NBA draft here. 
it is it is driven the league is driven by lengthy forwards Durant changed it you don't see the 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 back to the back uh, back basket centers anymore centers are uh, a forgotten position a little bit unless you have a Gobert or a, a, a Towns or Embiid or a Jokic or an Adebayo even that Adebayo is more than a center Jokic is more than a center Embiid is more than a center if you don't have those guys you need a couple of different guys I mean look at what the Suns did the Suns had their choice they could have paid Bridges they could have paid Aiton they paid the lengthy forward so they can keep up with guys like Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James and Anthony Edwards, Jason Tatum. It's just interesting to me. So you look at that star power doesn't matter because you have these lockdown wing defenders that can mitigate that star power. If the Heat match up with the Sixers, Kyle Lowry pestered the hell out of James Harden. Jimmy Butler pestered the hell out of James Harden. Bam out of bio and PJ Tucker will body the hell out of Joel Embiid. Star power doesn't matter. Matchups matter when it comes to the playoffs. Unless the star power you have is Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green all on a basketball court together which comes around once in a blue moon, it doesn't matter. That's why I don't think the Sixers get out of this. If they get out of the first round, I think this Heat just run through them. Oh, that's my little rant on star power, how the league has changed in the Sixers. Easter Conference, I think, is going to be Bucks Heat. I, I just, as good as the Celtics defense is, I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is better. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is making his statement to be the best player in the league. I think you get Mavs, Warriors out west. Now you're looking at Mavs, Warriors, Bucks, Heat. Any one of those matchups is awesome. The playoffs have been awesome. The second round is going to be awesome. The conference finals are going to be awesome. The NBA finals are going to be awesome for Pete's sake. If you're not watching them, watch them. That's nothing but airtime. Stamp of a recommendation there. If you're not watching Winning Time, watch them. That's the nothing but airtime stamp of recommendation there. Winning Time has managed to piss off every one of the 70s and 80s Lakers. And because all of them are pissed off, gives me an inclination that some of it's right. And if some of it's right, Jerry West, you are just an absolute snob of a human. Magic Johnson is sleazy. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is an interesting human. And we'll leave it at that. You know who else is an interesting human? Dr. Evil, Elon Musk. After the break, get hump day hoopers for a little bit. We're not going to look at too much of the statistics, more of the eye test. And we'll get into Mr. Musk buying Twitter for $44 billion. Mike, Mike, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Folks, it's hump day, and it is time for a very special playoff edition of Hump Day Hoopers. That's right. Hump Day Hoopers for your ear holes. And up first, up first, he has been the man of the hour, Jason Tatum is our hump day hooper number one. We don't need to say anything more about it. Playing the two-way defense with Kevin Durant, just being the monster that he is offensively and hitting the game winner in game one to set the tone. Shout out, Deuce Tatum. Hump day hooper number two, Jalen Brunson. 28.6 a game, 48 shooting 35% from three, five rebounds, four and a half assists. Pretty damn good. Jimmy Butler, hump day hooper number 
30.5 points a game, 54% shooting, 7 rebounds, 5 assists a game, and looking like Bubble Jimmy all of a sudden. Granted, he played the sleazy Hawks, but we'll see. Quick tidbit on the Hawks. I know I didn't cover them in the cases, but only thing I'll say about the Hawks is this. You should have three guys circled that you want for your team next year, and everybody else should be gone. Trey Young, Anyeka Kongwu, DeAndre Hunter. That's it. Back to Humpday Hoopers. Humpday Hooper number four. DeAndre Hunter. That's right. 22 a game. Hit 30 tonight, I believe. Let me double check that. Yeah, 35 tonight for our man DeAndre Hunter in a losing effort. But still, shout out DeAndre Hunter, Humpday Hooper number four. And, of course, Humpday Hooper number five is our man Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram rounding out the list. 29.8 points a game. A little quieter tonight, only 22 against the Suns. But I love what I'm seeing. He's got the FU dog in him lately. Jimmy Butler, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brunson. DeAndre Hunter, the list of hump day hoopers. All right. little fun closing out the show. We're going to get into tweets of the week, but before we get in to tweets of the week, Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion with a B billion dollars. Then our first tweet of the week comes from Anthony Moore. All that and more is the at, which this tweet was all that and more. He had the video of Isaiah Thomas up. I had fit the criteria. I don't know why I didn't make it. Talking about the dream team. Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. My question to you guys would be, what would you do for $44 billion? You could buy literal countries for that. Anthony Moore said homeless, homelessness and world hungry, hunger fit the criteria, but I wasn't selected. Just like Isaiah Thomas said about those dream teams. Shout out, Anthony Moore. For one of the best tweets I've seen of 2022. Coming from (laughs) Kyle Schwarber. He doesn't get a tweet of the week, but he gets the video of the week, which, I mean, it was all over Twitter. Angel Hernandez has been terrible for both teams. Or terrible for both teams all Sunday night baseball, I should say. Brewers of Phillies, Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Angel Hernandez's faults behind the plate were on display, to say the least. One of the worst um scorecards of the year. And Kyle Schwarber wanted to let him know. He looked at strike three on a 3-2 count in the bottom of the ninth with one out. And it was probably a ball. The K-Zone showed it was a ball. But who can really trust the K-Zone? It didn't matter. Kyle Schwarber did not trust the K-Zone. He said all night, the whole night on both sides. Horse. Yeah, he was. I can't repeat some of what he said. But I think you guys can understand where he was coming from. Angel Hernandez, one of the worst. One of the worst MLB umpires there are. And a quick tidbit on umpires. I've got the tin foil cap on. I don't think the quality of umpires is going to be what draws robot umpires in. I think it's going to be the lack thereof human umpires that want to become umpires. I mean, all we see on Twitter now is umpires getting yelled at by fans and adults and coaches and dads. Who would want to do that? I don't think anybody's going to want to do that, and I think why that's why we end up getting the robot umpire. O'Neal Cruz gets another video. He's currently the... He was one of the Rookie of the Year favorites when we did our MLB preseason award guessing. 
he's currently in Indianapolis with the Indianapolis Indians. I'm sure they changed their name. But that is the Pirates AAA team. He's getting the service time manipulation treatment. He hit a walk-off homer and threw the bat at the dugout and screamed, this is a waste of my time. Love that for O'Neill Cruz. Not a Twitter, not a tweet of the week, but a W of the week, a Wednesday W. Miguel Cabrera, 3,000th hit. Growing up a Tiger fan made my heart warm. Career average of 310. He's got 502 homers, 599 doubles, and now over 3,000 hits. Nobody in baseball history has 3,000 hits, 600 doubles. 500 homers and a 310 batting average. That's a first ballot Hall of Fame for me. Another good one. Now we're getting in deep here. Missed a couple weeks, but Marcus Smart staring at the left hand after the left-handed layup to seal the deal at home in game two against the Nets. Jalen Brown looking at it too. Johnny Cochran and OJ when the glove didn't fit. Beautiful tweeting from our man at Brantley Marie. Tweet of the week goes to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant... Rob Perez tweeted at Durant, It's okay to defend yourself, but the mistake KD made was doing this in the morning and giving inside the NBA time to prepare. They have an army of producers experienced in the art of pettiness. They're going to be in Photoshop all day, and those stage directors probably setting up for a band. This was after KD put pictures of Charles Barkley with Pippen and Olajuwon, I believe, with the Rockets because Barkley had said some stuff about super teams for Durant. Durant said, an army of producers against the God. Just another Tuesday. At Glow Go Get It said, calling yourself the God after that series is crazy. And he said, I don't get why you guys are so mad at what I call myself. It's about good affirmations, right? Be happy for me. Durant. Killing it on Twitter all the Ben Simmons tweets coming back to fruition talking about Twitter watching my team get swept hurt and I don't ever want to feel that way again he tweeted that on August 24th 2020 at Brooklyn tweeted a response to him on August 24th 2020 come join the Nets it won't happen again. I've got some bad news for everyone. Everyone involved. I've got a Wednesday W to inside the NBA. Charles Barkley talking about how to defend a big man and getting physical down low. And Shaq just cracking up. Those guys just get it. I don't care if you love them, if you hate them, you laughed at it. You absolutely laughed at it. So shout out inside the NBA. And lastly, lastly, before we head out, I gave you the stamp of approval to watch Winning Time, and I'm going to give you the stamp of approval to watch this. From Stefan Bondi. Some interesting news, and the NBA probably won't like this content, but according to multiple sources, Netflix is coming out with a documentary on former referee Tim Donahue, and Tim Donahue, Tim Donahue is involved in the film. Just to give an idea about how much Tim Donahue knows about the NBA and its refereeing after Scott Foster called Chris Paul's game this tweet was or not even this tweet this old article was all up again 
quote, the record show Donahue placed 134 calls to referee Scott Foster, more than 126 calls Donahue made to his bookie between October and 2006 and April 2007 to a period during which he had confessed to either betting on games or passing on game information to gamblers. The majority of the phone calls lasted no more than two minutes and occurred to Prior to and after games, Donahue officiated on and admits he was wagering. With the exception of 150 calls, Donahue placed to Thomas Martino, to whom he says he had provided picks to win games. And he was the middleman between the disgraced referee and his bookie. That documentary is going to be awesome. Air it all out. Air out the Kings series. There was a story about Allen Iverson getting into a referee's face and every referee taking turns giving him a carry. I want to hear all the dirt that goes on between the refs and gamblers and the mob and NBA players. It's going to be fantastic. Stamp of approval to go and watch the Donahue Netflix documentary. I give you the stamp of approval to like Follow, comment, and subscribe to our show here at Nothing But Airtime. I give you guys the stamp of approval to go out and have a wonderful hump day. I give you guys the stamp of approval to go out and watch what should be a wonderful NBA playoffs. That's it for me today, folks. Cole Reigns out. Stay safe and have yourselves a good week.